0: From the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 106.1 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 106.1 ESPN. We're going to get into some NFL talk in the second hour of the Sports Huddle today on the program but we finished up with matt in the first hour talking about the college game in virginia and virginia tech and the tough times that they are going through in james madison which right now yes we're gonna we're gonna wear this out is the flagship football program in the commonwealth of virginia but we were talking about the great games coming up this weekend and just as a refresher course you got florida state clemson in the ACC to kind of kick it off at noon. That Colorado-Oregon game is a 3.30 game on ABC. UCLA-Utah is a 3.30 game on Fox. Ole Miss and Alabama, not top ten ranked Alabama, is a 3.30 game from Tuscaloosa on uh, CBS. And then in the evening, Oregon State-Washington State is at 7 on Fox. And we certainly talked about the Ohio State Notre Dame game that's the 730 game on NBC and Iowa at Penn State in the Big Ten is on CBS at 730. so I think that's seven games involving uh, both teams in the top 25 so more of that coming up in just a bit uh there are i think seven nfl teams seven or eight nfl teams that are two and zero through the first two weeks of the season and one of them yes is the washington commanders for the first time in a dozen years by virtue of their victories over arizona and at denver let's talk a little bit more about that with barry sverluga from the washington post who joins us to start our five o'clock hour on the sports auto barry thanks for joining us how are you
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: So we've been playing a little game the last couple of days of these teams that are 2-0 and and just trying to figure out, and some of this is certainly an overreaction, it's only two games. Are they lucky or are they good? So let me throw that at you to start this. Are the Washington Commanders lucky right now to be 2-0 and or are they a good football team?
1: I mean, I'll totally wimp out and say a little bit of, of both, <laughs> but I, okay. I do think – I think it applies in particular with scheduling. Um, I mean, their next two games are against Buffalo and at Philadelphia. So if they had started the season with those two games and gone 2-0, I would be telling you they're, they're good. Um, but they didn't. They, they beat and struggled to beat an Arizona team that most people think will be in a conversation for the top pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, you know, did a great job in coming back um, against Denver and Russell Wilson. Who people expect to be better with Sean Payton, but the, the reality is they were five and twelve last year, and Wilson looked like a shell of himself. So, um, that said, I, I think if you're a Washington fan, um, you take the wins when you can get them, and you look at those two games and see a lot of encouraging things. Um, starting with the quarterback Sam Howell, who certainly hasn't been perfect, but has shown both in attitude and in physical ability. Um, I think a lot of the traits that you want to see in a a guy who's only made three NFL starts. And then I'd also say that um, particularly with Chase Young returning this past week in in Denver, um, that defensive line has been talked about around here for a long time. It it could be coming into its peak form and just be hellacious for opponents to deal with um, across all, all four spots. So, um, I'm not answering your question with an A or a B, but I think there's a mix of both in there, and that puts them in a pretty exciting position hosting Buffalo this weekend.
0: We won't hold your feet to the fire on that, but, because you gave a great essay answer, A-plus for the, for the essay answer there, Barry. Uh, thank you. But having said that, um, you know you were there. You saw it. I don't know what happened at the beginning, how it got to 21-3, to three, and why Russell Wilson and uh, Sean Payton couldn't figure out how to keep doing that for the rest of the game. But what I saw from Washington after that point, and maybe this speaks more to Denver not being very good, but clearly Washington was the better, bigger, stronger, faster team that dominated the majority of that game when they made the comeback from 21 to three. Yes. No. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, some of the 21 to three was a blown coverage on a, a, you know, 60 yard bomb um, to rookie Mims. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, that can be, stuff that can be cleaned up, but I would say, you know, not only those um, kind of physical attributes that you just listed off, they were superior to Denver, but, two things. They One, you know, kind of had an attitude like, okay, we need a play to turn this around. They, they were not rattled. They were not reeling. I've seen this team for a long time fold in those situations. Um, and they got, when they got that play, which was Damon Davis's strip of, of Russell Wilson and um, causing a turnover that led to a, a touchdown that helped them to get within seven at halftime, which was kind of staggering. Um, but I would also say that you know, they showed an ability to make adjustments in from a coaching standpoint that I'm not 100% sure that they've done in the past. And I, I would point to Eric bien the the new offensive coordinator, really in his first time calling plays, um, you know, having been under the shadow of Andy Reid for so long. Um, he opened up some stuff, one, sticking to the run and getting stuff out of it with Brian Robinson, but also pretty impressively – um, turning to a screen game that got big chunks of yardage from both Antonio Gates and Robinson um, in the second half. that was stuff that they hadn't shown in the first game and hadn't shown in the first half. So it felt like um, a Washington team that almost always seems to lose the chess match, match, won the chess match in this case. And that that's really encouraging going forward because if you feel like your guy is getting into a rhythm calling plays with his personnel and then mixing it up. Um, What had been a disadvantage for Washington for so long, it might, might actually be an advantage now.
0: You talked about the schedule and the games coming up, Buffalo this week and then at Philadelphia the following week. Most importantly, where do you think they need the commanders, that is, to elevate their game in order to compete and win the next two games?
1: So I think that Um, if the biggest question coming into the year was Sam Howell, and I think it kind of had to be because, you know, you're talking about a fifth-round pick who had started one game and thrown 19 NFL passes. Um, I kind of feel like that's been put on the back burner in terms of a a question. I'm not saying he's not going to have, you know, rocky games and make bad decisions. He's absolutely going to do that. That's part of this process. But I think you you kind of take him off the, like, what the heck are we going to get from here um, spot? And I, I think that means that the major concern I would have had in the off season remains the major concern now, and that's the offensive line. And that's not only protecting how it's holding up in the run game, because they need to be pretty balanced. Um, and I don't think they did enough to address it from a personnel standpoint, from spending standpoint, from a draft standpoint in the off season. So, they're, they're fairly tin, thin, and they're not super talented, which is um, not the best combination. That that would be – it would almost be my concerns like one, two, and three going into these next two games, and, and really the, the rest of the
0: season. Mm-hmm. All right, and part of this, as you pointed out, obviously, is the schedule, the opponents they played to start. But look, those are the opponents. They put them on the schedule. They beat who was on the schedule. So that said – what do you think this new ownership group is thinking and talking about amongst itself? They did some things to try and enhance some things at FedEx. They had a sellout the first game. They've announced a sellout for this one. You know, What do you think um, the lunchtime conversation with Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson is all about right now?
1: So I don't think there are any bounds to it, really. I mean, I, I don't think it's probably about the football side of things as much in this early going, because I don't think, you know, barring a disaster and they're they're clearly not off to a disastrous start. I don't think they're going to make major changes in the football operation until they have a chance to see how it works and what the results are. So that would be TBD. I I would think if if they're really sitting down to lunch and are saying, you know, what, what should we be focusing on? I, I just imagine that to be a super wide ranging all over the place conversation that would be, you know, down to very minute details about fan experience, about feedback they got from the first game. I mean, you know, they already did stuff like worked with the Maryland um, Transit Authorities to set up new traffic patterns to get to FedEx. That is something that you know no one sitting at home notices, but is very, very important to the people that they want to draw to the games. Um, I would, I just think a conversation like that would have no bounds. Food, um, services, ceremonies. Uh, you know what's the pregame like? All, all of that stuff should be on the table, and I and I imagine is because, to my mind, their their rollout has been very positive and 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 hit all the right notes.
0: Hey, um, do you think there is a chance now moving forward? And it seems like we're reading some things. You guys are covering some things that the RFK site could come into play here for the new stadium that well, it is more I mean, of a possibility than like, it's ever
1: been. It's bureaucracy 101. like you. Yeah. you they, they the technical part of that is there is something before Congress that could get that federally owned land back into the hands of the District of Columbia. Um, we don't even know if that's going to be voted on by the end of this Congress and then if it's not voted on by the end of this congressional year, um, it could get punted deep into the future so there's it's incredibly complicated and boring, but that step has to happen before we can even discuss whether um, the people who live there uh, or the D.C. Council, for that matter, would want the stadium on that site. We know the mayor uh, of Washington, D.C., Mural Bowser, is very, very big on bringing the team back, but there's a bunch of uh, loopholes in actual, you know, legislation that has to happen before they're even in position to consider it.
0: Yeah, but at least there's some conversation about it, once again, with this new ownership group, for sure. Hey, let me let me finish with you on a very lighthearted note. For those in our audience that don't necessarily follow you on Twitter, and they should, at Barry's Verluga, I chuckled about your tweet about your experience coming back home on the flight, and the flight attendant and the passengers on the plane. Barry, if you could relate that to our folks.
1: Yeah, so we had a direct from Denver to um, Washington National, and – you know, early morning flight, and uh, the flight attendant, you know, kind of concluded her remarks by saying, and congratulations to the Washington commanders, and the, the flight kind of erupted. There were a bunch of people in burgundy and gold, and then people started swapping stories about where, where were you at the game. It's just I've been on a lot of those flights um, with probably not as many burgundy and gold-clad uh, fans, and it just seemed to be a, a different mood, a different kind of levity around the entire operation right now.
0: As, as you said, maybe back to the future of 1991 or so for the Washington Commanders. That's probably a small good sign also, what you experienced out there. Uh, Barry, thank you so much. Appreciate primarily the football uh, perspective that you had on the Commanders' start to the season and what might happen moving forward. And we'll look forward to catching up with you as the season continues to roll along. Thank you, Barry.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Always, Barry Sverluga from the Washington Post covering the Washington Commanders and much more than that. We've had him on, on several other topics as well. We've got some other topics still to get to on the sports huddle this afternoon. Here's where we're going.